I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I recently found your YouTube channel. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Old Texas scare and was curious about the Glimmer Man incidents that you have narrated about. I had a similar encounter several years ago. I'm curious as to what you think. The date was Thursday, September 8, 2016. I was on a trip from northwest Pennsylvania to visit a friend in North Carolina. I had been driving for about five and a half hours when I left Route 64 and drove on to Airport Road and came down to a little town called Beaver, West Virginia. I stopped at the KFC to grab something to eat. When leaving, I made a right out of the parking lot onto Route 19. I was driving slowly as I hadn't picked up speed from pulling out yet. Because I was driving slowly, I'm sure I never would have noticed this. I was approaching some leaves spread across the road when I noticed the leaves were moving, but there was no wind blowing. I slowed down, thinking there may be an animal in the leaves, and I didn't want to hit it. I was looking really hard because I could see the leaves moving, but I didn't see an animal. Then I could make out a small bipedal figure about seven or eight inches tall that seemed to be trying to hide in the leaves. As it tried to get across the road, it looked as if I could see a line of each part of the creature, but it seemed to be cloaked, kind of like what a chameleon does, but not quite the same. It moved with a ratchet-type movement, rather jerky-type movement, 
I don't know if that was its normal gait or if it was injured. I was driving at a crawl by this time because what I was observing was so bizarre and I was trying to make out what it was I was thinking. What in the world is this thing? It almost looked like a frail stick figure as I could only make out some of it. I thought maybe it was an emaciated squirrel, but they don't walk on two feet and if it was that skinny it would be dead, not jerking across the road. It was not a featherless bird either. It had reached the center line and was attempting to cross the rest of the road when a pickup from the other side came speeding along and just missed it with its driver's side tires, and I saw the leaves being thrown. I don't know if it made it or not, as cars behind me were honking at me to keep moving. I thought about turning around to see if I could find it because that is what I would do for an animal, but this was not an animal that I had ever heard about or had seen before. The more I thought about it, I realized that it may have been cloaked and was picking up the color of the leaves to disguise itself. It reminded me of the cloaked alien in the movie Predator. I could see it, but I couldn't make out exactly what it was. As I tried to rationalize this in my head, I thought maybe it was a reptile or a lizard of some kind, like a chameleon that can turn different colors to hide. An octopus can do the same thing, and maybe we have just never seen them know that they are there. When I arrived at my friend's house that night, I told her about it. She never doubted me, as I'm not prone to making up stories. I'm a very rational person, but I still wonder what that thing was, and if these predator-like entities exist all around us. I was a park ranger in the Ozarks, and I loved the beauty of the mountains and the tranquility of the deep woods. The sun was setting, casting a warm golden light over the landscape, as I received a distress call from a park visitor. They said that something strange was happening in the woods, and I knew that I had to check it out. As I drove my jeep through the dense forest, I could feel a sense of unease settle over me. The trees were tall and ancient their branches reaching up to the sky like twisted fingers. The air was thick with the scent of pine and moss, and the rustling of leaves was the only sound that broke the silence. I arrived at the location of the distress call, and as I stepped out of my jeep, I heard a low growl. I spun around, my hand reaching for my flashlight, but I saw nothing. Suddenly a figure leapt out of the shadows and attacked me, and I realized that I was facing a creature I had never seen before. It was a monster, a twisted, deformed thing with razor-sharp claws and glowing red eyes. I fought for my life, dodging and weaving as the creature attacked me again and again. I managed to grab my gun and shoot it, but it only made it angrier. It howled in rage and then disappeared into the woods. I was confused and frightened, and I had no idea what had just attacked me. I called for backup and soon a team of rangers arrived to search the woods, but we found nothing, no sign of the creature, no trace of its attack. The only evidence was the torn fabric of my shirt and the bruises on my body. I knew that the Ozarks were full of mysteries and secrets, but I never imagined that there was something like this lurking in the woods. I was determined to find out what had attacked me and why, but I knew that I was facing a dangerous and deadly enemy. The woods had become a place of terror, and I was no longer sure if I was safe. 
Days passed and a team of scientists and wildlife experts were brought in to investigate the strange creature. The woods were scoured for any signs of the monster, but there was no trace of it. As the days went by, more and more people began to report strange sightings and attacks, and it was clear that there was something dangerous and unpredictable in the woods. Some said that it was a monster, while others claimed that it was a ghost or a demon. I was still haunted by my encounter with the creature, and I felt a deep sense of responsibility to protect the park and its visitors. I knew that I had to find a way to stop the monster before it could hurt anyone else. So I began to do my own research, consulting with Native American elders and local hunters who had lived in the area for generations. They told me stories of a mysterious beast that was said to roam the Ozarks, a monster that was half man and half beast. They called it the Skookum, and it was said to be a creature of evil, with a thirst for human flesh. I was skeptical at first, but as I dug deeper, I began to realize that there might be some truth to the legends. I pieced together the clues, and finally, I had a plan. I would lure the skookum out of hiding, using myself as bait, and then trap it once and for all. I set out into the woods, armed with my wits and my courage, and I waited for the monster to come. I could feel its presence, could hear its breathing in the darkness, and then, with a roar, it attacked. I fought the skookum with everything I had, and in that moment, I knew that this was the fight of my life. The battle was long and brutal, but finally, I was able to injure the monster. Unfortunately, Beast fled, and we never saw it again. In a night case, the Ozarks were safe once again. I was hailed as a hero, but I knew that the real heroes were the people who had helped me. The people who had believed in me and given me the strength to face the monster. And though I was proud of what I had accomplished, I could never forget the fear and the darkness of that night when I faced the skookum in the heart of the Ozarks. At the time of this incident, I was a contracted delivery driver for an auto parts distributor. I traveled this section of Interstate 5 Monday through Fratty towing a 16 enclosed trailer with my 3 fourth ton Dodge four-wheel drive truck. As was typical for a weeknight at 1 o'clock in the morning, there was nearly no other traffic on the road with me. With my cruise control set at 73 miles per hour, my headlights lit up something laying centered in the right-hand lane directly in front of me. I knew there was going to be contact, but rather than swerve and risk lossing control, I chose to line up and attempt to strike the object with the undercarriage of my truck. I don't remember touching the brakes or making any atmep to slow down. In the seconds leading up to impact, all I could do was brace myself and wonder what it was that I was about to splatter down the highway. Driving as many miles as I did, I had, or thought I had seen every form of indigenous wildlife Oregon has to offer, either alive and scampering or squished beside the road. I didn't need to see more than a glimpse of fur to identify a critter, even at night. As I closed on this object, I couldn't identify it. It had the coloration of deer, but it was much bigger. It wasn't an elk, as I didn't see any legs or the characteristic outline of the hip, shoulders, and tapered neck had it been laying the other way. 
This was fast turning from an object to a body, a large hairy body laying in the fetal position with its back facing me. As weird as this was, it was about to get even more interesting. Confused with what I was seeing and braced for what was going to be a bumpy ride, something flashed directly in front of my bumper from left to right. As close as this thing was to my truck, all I could see was the flash of brownish-gray hair as it crossed in front of me. It was like sitting parked in a car at night and someone walks from one side of the car to the other. All you see is the strobe effect as they pass in front of the headlights. But I was moving at 70 miles per hour. I'm 5 feet 10 tall, and if I stood next to the headlights on my truck, my shoulders are at the height of the headlights. What I saw was more the rib section of the creature that crossed in front of me. Whatever this was, it was big enough, strong enough, fast enough, and felt the need to pull a 600-pound creature out of the way of my truck because not only did I miss what ran in front of me, I didn't hit anything. My friends and I used to camp a lot in the El Dorado National Forest. We had a spot along Safago Springs. We used to camp it a lot. One weekend, we decided to go for a three-day foraging camp. We brought in MREs in case we couldn't find anything, some guns and some supplies to set up shelter, but that's about it. First night was chill. We cooked a bunch of crawdads and a squirrel my buddy shot, drank a few beers we'd brought, and slept fine. Next day, something felt off to me. One of my friends who was with me and I had had some really creepy experiences in this part of the forest in the past, and it felt a bit like those. Forest was dead silent, and you felt like something was watching you. I grew up in the woods, so I know the signs of a predator, but this felt different than a bear or a mountain lion. When night fell, my friends went 200 yards or so up the stream to do some stuff, and I was alone in camp. The feeling got even stronger. So I built up the fire nice and big and grabbed a gun. I kept hearing faint voices from the woods in the opposite direction of where my friends went. They were low, indistinct sounds, but they were creeping me out majorly, and my buddies had taken the only two flashlights for planning and hindsight. As I peered out into the darkness, I caught a glimpse of something moving fifty yards or so out in the trees. I snapped the rifle to my shoulder and got the scope on it. It was pretty dark, and the only light was from the fire, but I could see the outline of what I was aiming at. It looked human, but was on all fours, and its arms seemed a lot longer than they should. It stood a bit like an ape, but very low to the ground. I only saw it for a second before it loped off deeper into the woods. After I lost track of it, I'd hear light rustling in different directions around the camp, leaves scuffling, the occasional twig breaking all the ways away from where my friends went in the 180% on the other side of the camp from their departure. I got the sense that, whatever it was, it was stalking me. I kept the fire high and was staying sharp looking out into the woods, but I didn't see it again. My buddies came back about ten minutes later to find me a paranoid wreck glassing the tree line with a scope. I told them what happened and they got quiet then told me the reason they came back when they did is they started hearing the same stuff I did over by where they were at and it spooked them. We spent the second night of our trip with a big-ass fire and three lookouts. Nobody slept that night. 
In the morning, we broke camp as quick as we could and hightailed it out of there. We never camped in that spot again. I was a park ranger at an American national park known for its lush forests and towering mountains. The stillness of the night was only broken by the occasional hoot of an owl and the rustling of leaves and the gentle breeze. I was on patrol in my jeep, scanning the surroundings for any signs of danger or disturbance. As I drove down a remote road, I suddenly saw a light in the distance. I decided to check it out. As I got closer, I realized that the light was moving, almost as if it was alive. I couldn't explain it, but I had a feeling that something was off. I got out of my jeep and approached the source of the light, my hand instinctively reaching for my flashlight. To my shock, what I saw was a ghostly figure, its translucent body glowing eerily in the moonlight. The ghost was dressed in tattered clothes and had a wicked grin on its face. I felt a chill run down my spine as the ghost suddenly burst into a fit of evil laughter. I tried to talk to the ghost to find out what it wanted, but it just disappeared into the woods, leaving me confused and scared. I quickly jumped into my jeep and drove back to the park headquarters, unsure of what had just happened and what the ghost wanted from me. The next morning I couldn't shake off the feeling of unease from the night before. I told my colleagues about the ghost, but they didn't believe me. They thought I was just imagining things, but I knew what I saw. I decided to investigate further and started to gather information about the history of the park. I found out that the park was built on sacred Native American land and that there had been several reports of ghost sightings over the years. Days went by and the ghost continued to haunt me. I would see it at night, always laughing and taunting me. I couldn't sleep or eat, and my colleagues were starting to become worried about my mental state. One night, I finally couldn't take it anymore. I grabbed my flashlight and headed back to the spot where I saw the ghost. I called out to it, demanding to know what it wanted from me. Suddenly, the ghost appeared, its form becoming more solid. It told me that the park was built on sacred land and that it was angry that its resting place had been disturbed. The ghost demanded that I help it put the spirits of its ancestors to rest by performing a sacred ceremony. I knew that I had to do what the ghost asked and I worked with local Native American leaders to perform the ceremony. After the ceremony was complete, the ghost finally disappeared and I was able to sleep peacefully for the first time in weeks. From that day on, I made sure to respect the land and the spirits that inhabited it, and I never saw the ghost again. But I will never forget that frightening encounter and the lesson it taught me about the importance of respecting the dead and the land they call home. However, my colleagues and I started to notice strange occurrences happening around the park. Trees would shake for no reason, and strange whispers could be heard in the wind. Some of the visitors even reported seeing ghostly apparitions in the woods. We soon realized that the ghost was not the only one who was angry. There were others who had also been disturbed by the park's construction, and they were seeking revenge. One night I received a distress call from one of the camping sites. When I arrived, I found that several tents had been destroyed and several people were missing. I searched the surrounding area and eventually stumbled upon a clearing where I saw the ghostly apparitions standing together, holding the missing people captive. 
I realized that I had to do something to stop them, but I was only one person against many angry spirits. I remembered the ceremony that I performed with the Native American leaders and knew that I had to perform it again, this time with the help of my colleagues. We gathered together and performed the ceremony, calling upon the spirits of the land to restore balance and peace. To our surprise, the ghostly apparitions disappeared and the missing people were released unharmed. From that day on, the park was at peace and the spirits... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style that had once haunted it were finally at risk. I learned that sometimes the things that scare us the most can teach us the greatest lessons and that the land we live on must be respected and honored. We were camping with a summer adventure program at Indian Crossing. When it started to get darker, we decided to play a game similar to Capture the Flag. My friend and I left a few minutes early to go hide when we saw a large object or creature that had red eyes in the glare of our flashlight. It was too tall to be a bear and too big to be a human, and the eyes weren't a deer's eyes cause they were for sure red. It wasn't moving really, but we didn't get to see it for very long because we got scared and ran back to camp. We told Jeff, our camp leader, what had just happened, and he seemed to have believed us, unlike all the other kids. We were still scared, but Jeff wanted to go exploring to see if we could find more evidence. We found broken trees and also fallen logs that were ripped open somehow. I don't know if Jeff was just trying to scare us or not, but he said there was a dead deer on the side of the road that was nearby the campground that, that didn't look like it got hit by a car. About a half of a year later, my mom said she talked to this botanist that was at Blue Hole, a place about two miles from the Bigfoot sighting, and she saw tracks that were really big and couldn't be human. She took pictures of the tracks, but I hadn't seen yet. My friend and I honestly think we saw Bigfoot, so we have been doing all this research. We are destined to find Bigfoot again and prove everyone wrong. In October of 2020, one, I encountered what I believed to be an extraterrestrial inside my house, followed soon after by three other extraterrestrials in my house. It was a normal Friday evening at first. 
My dad, I was in college in Montana, living with him at the time, had gone to sleep at about 10 p.m., and I stayed up until about 11.30. At 11.30, turned off my TV and went to lay on my bed, where I promptly pulled out my phone and began browsing. This lasted for about 45 minutes before I finally decided to go to sleep. I realized that my throat felt a little dry, so I got up to get some water from the fridge. My room used to be a second living room off the kitchen, so there's no door on the frame, only a thick curtain. As I approached the curtain, everything was normal. It was just a normal night. The only thing that seemed a little off was how quiet it was. There were no crickets chirping outside, which there always were. I live in a secluded country ranch house, which was unusual. I could still hear my dad's white noisemaker in his bedroom, though he uses it to help him sleep. It felt like a normal late night. I pulled the curtain aside to step out into the kitchen and experience the single most terrifying thing in my entire life. Behind the curtain was what I believed to be an extraterrestrial or alien. It was facing the hallway to my dad's room and it was in a crouched position. We had a nightlight plugged in right above the kitchen countertop, so I assume it was trying to avoid that light. Its skin color was a sort of dark gray or gunmetal color. As I pulled the curtain all the way back, the alien turned its head sharply to look at me. I gasped and was immediately overcome by an immense sense of dread and terror. I was quite literally paralyzed by fear. I just stood there with my hand on the curtain, mouth agape. It stared at me for a couple of seconds, and then everything went black. I regained consciousness an hour later and was laying on top of my bed, the covers still made. My heart was pounding, and it felt like it was beating a million times a minute. I saw something on my left, which was the darkest part of my room, and at a door leading to our carport. Standing over my bed were three dark gray figures. They were tall, their heads nearly touching the seven-foot ceilings in my room. I turned my head, stared at them, and began to experience the same sense of terror as before. It was the exact same sense of dread and paralysis. I was unable to move, unable to speak, unable to do anything except look. This time they looked at me for much longer than a couple of seconds. It felt like it lasted a full minute or more. At the end of that minute, the being in the middle leaned in a little bit and moved its hand toward my foot. It tapped its finger on my foot three times, slowly. Each time it tapped, a strange sensation pulsed through my body. It was just a weird energy that I can't really describe. After the third pulse subsided, the being stood straight again, and then everything went black again. I regained consciousness yet again a minute or two later. Still on top of my bed, covers still made, and immediately began to cry. I don't mean just a tear or two. I mean that I was quite literally just bawling my eyes out for the next few minutes. Eventually, all that emotion subsided, and I grabbed my phone from my bedside table. It was 1.33 a.m. I didn't end up going to sleep at all that night. I just sort of sat there on my bed trying to explain to myself what just happened. In the years since this has happened, I have yet to come up with an explanation that doesn't involve aliens, demons, ghosts, or some sort of paranormal phenomenon. I thought of sleep paralysis at first, but I never went to sleep before I saw the first one. I was wide awake still when I went to get a drink of water. 
I wasn't dreaming because I hadn't yet gone to sleep. When the three came right after, I thought that it could be sleep paralysis since I woke up on my bed and was unable to move or even scream when they looked at me. But how did I get in bed when the last thing I remember was looking at the first one in my kitchen? I know you hallucinate when experiencing sleep paralysis, but how did I see three distinct beings that essentially remained motionless? And what was that sensation whenever it tapped my foot? If it was sleep paralysis, I've never had it before, and I haven't had it since. If it was some sort of spontaneous mental breakdown, I've never had one before, and haven't had one since. If it was just some bad nightmare, when did I go from browsing Reddit and getting a drink of water to asleep and having a nightmare? Every time I think about it, I get an uneasy feeling just thinking about the dread I felt that night. It makes me feel squirmy and nervous. That night felt like death, but I don't know if whatever was in my house or whatever I imagined was malevolent. I don't know if they hurt me or did anything to me or my dad. I don't know if I was crazy, sleep, deprived, or actually encountered aliens in my house. I've seen and felt some strange things before and after, including lost time, seeing what I believe to be UFOs and animals on the ranch we live on being mutilated. The lost time thing was a little freaky. I was texting my brother about video games in the middle of the morning. I was in the middle of a response laying on the bed in my room when all of a sudden I was sitting on the couch in the first living room opposite the kitchen to my bedroom. Seven whole hours had passed and I didn't remember any of it. There were two texts from my brother, about an hour apart, the first of which was him asking if I got his text. Then the second was just a couple of question marks. I was confused and didn't really know what to do. The UFOs thing is self-explanatory. I've seen lights fly over my house at night. There's an airport about an hour away and I see planes on occasion. But these lights are always either too fast to be a plane, too slow to be a plane, or too quiet to be a low-flying helicopter. The animal mutilation thing is the saddest part for me. I have about ten outside cats, or barn cats, that I feed regularly and who keep away snakes, bugs, and whatnot. Most of them are spayed, neutered, and vaccinated, but new ones show up still and get pregnant somehow. Every so often, one of them gets killed, be it by a mountain lion, stray dog, coyote, or other cat. It's gruesome, but it happens. But there have been a couple in the past few months that have made no sense, and all have been the same way. A single cut down the middle of their bodies, running from their jaw all the way to their genitalia. The cut goes all the way through their sternum and everything. It's always perfectly straight, and none of their internal organs or anything is damaged. It's like someone took a razor or something and slit them. We found them on our driveway and the private road leading to our driveway. There's never any blood, and the cat is just dead on the ground already in rigor mortis. It makes no sense, and it makes me sad because I've raised most of those cats from kittens. I stayed after school one late December afternoon, 2022, two months ago, in the Roanoke, Virginia area for a basketball game. After the game, I walked to the nearby church lot waiting for my dad. It was already dark. 
As I stood waiting, I felt like someone or something was watching me. I turned around and saw the shadow of a man behind a bush. I instantly ran to the other side of the street. I caught my breath and slowly walked back to the other side of the church. I would be able to see my dad drive up, drive up. As I stood there, keeping an eye out for my dad and for other shadows, I saw two deer along the edge of the woods. I put some space between me and the deer. I watched the deer as they began to move around. I watched closely as one of the deer seemed to have a bad back leg or was injured. I began to walk in the direction of the deer in order to get a better look. When I came within twenty feet or so of the deer, I stopped. I was literally frozen and terrified at the same time. I realized that these were not deer. They both had oddly shaped heads with patches of hair that seemed to be stitched onto their bodies. It actually looked like human skin was underneath the patches. Then both deer looked in my direction and slowly stood up on their back legs. They then started to run in my direction, chasing me back to the church lot. I was yelling and running at the same time, so loud that my dad heard me a block away. I ran toward my home neighborhood, but my dad happened to see me and caught up. As he stopped ahead of me, I jumped into the passenger seat, yelling, Go! 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 He asked me what the hell was I yelling and running for. I couldn't answer him. I was absolutely freaked out. The ten-minute drive home was surreal as I was thinking about what I had experienced and what I was going to tell my dad. When we got home, and after I calmed down a bit, my mom and dad sat at the dining room table with me and listened to my description of the encounter. They actually listened. They knew by my demeanor that something had really occurred. Later that night, while I was in my room watching television, my dad came into my room and wanted to talk. He told me about an encounter that he had several years previously with a deer while he and my uncle were hunting in the nearby mountains. His description was very much like mine. He had told my mom about it at the time, so now I know why they didn't question my sanity when we talked. Can you tell me what I encountered that day? I see references to wendigos and not deer when I started to research on Google. Is that what I witnessed? Is that what my dad witnessed? My experience is from late 2006, just before winter break of my freshman year of college. I went to a small college in rural western Pennsylvania, and the freshman parking lot was on the edge of campus, up against some state game lands. We'd go out there a couple of nights a week to smoke some weed, and that night went to our usual spot in a clearing with a fallen log to sit on just past what you could see from the parking lot, though we could see the lights from the lot through the trees behind us. Now I'm sure you're already thinking it was probably just the weed, but we were veteran smokers, had just started smoking that night, and had been smoking out of the same bag previous nights without any weird things happening. We packed a bowl and had maybe one hit each as we sat there talking quietly. It was winter, and this night was particularly cold, like in the teens, Fahrenheit, but very still, no wind, almost nothing making sound out in the woods where we were. I took my first hit and handed the bowl and lighter back to my friend, then looked up to exhale. That's when I saw it through the smoke a humanoid face in the trees on the other side of the clearing, 
opposite the parking lot. It was just above a branch that it had hand-wrapped around. I think it had three fingers with a very long, narrow thumb that stuck out several inches past its other fingers, each tipped with a pointed nail. As the smoke cleared, I got a better look at its face. Very pale, almost grayish skin. Bald. No eyebrows, no other hair of any kind. No ears that I could see. Big eyes relative to its head that were very dark in color, catching just a little bit of light from the lights of the parking lot behind us, which made them seem kind of reflective. I didn't get a great look at the nose or mouth as I was fixated on the eyes, but from what I recall, they seemed small relative to its head compared to a human. I tapped my friend's knee and quickly glanced over at him to see if he saw it as well, and he was starting at it too so it's something we both saw independently. I looked back at it just as it released its hand from the branch, revealing very long, thin fingers to match the thumb, and then it moved backwards out of our sight without making a sound, even though there were dry leaves all over the ground. I'd guess only about five seconds actually passed during this span, but it felt much longer and there was this odd calm over the whole situation. As soon as it was out of sight, however, my friend and I both felt intense fear, and we ran back to the parking lot. It was in such a panic that he didn't realize he had stuffed the still-smoking bowl into his coat pocket and dropped the lighter. We ran to the opposite side of the lot from the woods where there was a road, some cars passing, and some other students walking around where we finally felt safe. There was an initial, oh my God, did you see that? What was that? kind of conversation before we calmed down and talked about the details of what we saw, which matched up perfectly. The only thing he noticed that I didn't was that he said he didn't think it even had a mouth. We thought maybe it was a classic gray alien or something, but knew no one would believe us and didn't tell anyone else. The next day we went back to the spot in the woods and found our lighter standing up right on the log we were sitting on. The odds of it falling and landing like that are very, very low, adding another creepy factor. Did this thing find it and put it there? We also walked over to the tree where we saw it and found the branch it was grasping. It was a good 10, 12 feet above the ground. We couldn't even reach it by jumping and there was nothing around. No stumps, no rocks, no lower branches that it could have been standing on so it had to be tall to appear there. Weirdly, the leaves on the ground had been disturbed all around the area beneath the tree. Not like, just tracks or something, but it was as if something had intentionally brushed the leaves away and then dug some shallow holes, maybe four or six of them about six, eight inches deep and two, three inches wide. My friend was a biology major who had been an Eagle Scout and now works in a state park, so he knew a good deal about most of the area's wildlife and didn't know of anything that would disturb the ground in that fashion. Plenty of animals dig, but they don't sweep away an area, probably five feet by five feet of leaves like that just to dig a couple of holes like that. He couldn't find any other tracks leading away from the area either. We never went back out there after dark again and never saw it again either. Anyway, that's my possible encounter with a crawler. Make of it what you will.